Welcome, 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 geeks and nerds, girls and boys, to another all-new edition of geek to me Radio. Today, it's our terrific con wrap-up. We're going to be talking with Jerry Ordway, Mark Guggenheim, Larry Kenny, the voice of Lionel, and Paul Soles, the original voice of Spider-Man. All that and more, stand by. Driving around the St. Louis area, hearing us now on 105.3 FM or 1380 AM. Thank you very much for finding us and tuning in. If you're hearing us out there in the world via the World Wide Web, thank you for streaming us. And of course, if you're hearing us after the fact in the podcast form on Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Podomatic, FM Player, or any other device, we thank you for subscribing and listening. This segment brought to you by Historic St. Charles Discover. STCharles.com is the website, and it's a beautiful website. If you've not been to there, check out the website now, discoverSTCharles.com. There's all sorts of tabs. You can check on the events they have coming up, Legends and Lanterns. If you're a Halloween fan, it's right around the corner. Things to do on Main Street, food and drink, places to stay if you're from out of town, want to come in and plan your trip. It's a great place to come hang out for the weekend take in the sights, the historicness of it, all the great food, the great places to eat. DiscoverSTCharles.com is that website, and make sure you pay close attention to the legends and lanterns. You will definitely want to come out for a spooktacular time. DiscoverSTCharles.com. We recently traveled, not to St. Charles, but to Uncasville, Connecticut, where they were holding their annual Terrificon, a fantastic celebration of comic talent, And they had many people there from the TV movie world as well. And first off, we had to stop by Artist Alley. We got to talk to writer and artist Jerry Ordway all about his contributions to the Superman legacy. We're here now with legendary Jerry Ordway. Thanks so much for taking time out of your sketching to uh, talk to us. Thank you very much. So being part of Superman's legacy, this being his 80th year, we just had a huge celebration in Metropolis, Illinois for Superman Days. Uh, the big thousand issue of Action Comics. When you think about the legacy you've contributed to the Superman uh, franchise, what are some of the things you think about when we've hit this milestone of 80 years? Well, I remember celebrating the 50th, and I had just been on, and I, I started in 87, and uh, it's weird to think that 30 years have passed. And in, in the time I was on Superman, I mean, my legacy with Superman is that I got Lois and Clark engaged and uh, contributed to the death of Superman story, which were like, all of those are life-changing things. I worked on the wedding issue. It was all stuff that uh, I think maybe at this point, you know, there was a point where DC was trying to 
shy away from it because those are all things that happen to characters who aren't vital, you know. I mean, in right. the old days, when I started, we wanted to do Superman, who was someone that a younger kid could uh, aspire to rather than your dad's superhero. So now, 30 years later, we're kind of back to that, I think. So, uh, But it's it's cool that the character has the longevity, you know. Uh, we're doing a card in the at the convention with signatures trying to get the Guinness Book of World Record for most signatures on a birthday card, and I did the art for it, so that was kind of fun. Superman with his birthday cake. I think Mitch just wanted all you guys to sign one thing. That's why he had you guys come up with the card thing. <laughs> I told Mitch he missed the boat because he should have had a cake. Someone could have donated a cake, and then I think people would have showed up a little more agreeably to, like, wait, I get cake too? Sure, I'll sign that. <laughs> any, any comic book fan will come for free cake no matter what. That's great. This is true. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and with all the iconic uh, changes Superman's been through over the years, he went uh, from dying, being brought back, uh, electric powers, uh, all sorts of stuff. Is there I wasn't any? There for that, <laughs> I had nothing to do with the electric Superman blue or whatever that was. Superman red, Superman yeah, blue. Yeah, no, thank God. So I... looking back at all the stuff he went through in the '60s too, is there any storyline and maybe it's the electric one that you've kind of you've not been involved with that you've seen you kind of rolled your eyes at, or was there anything that's kind of like, ooh, that's a weird choice, or is it something that you just accept being part of Superman's legacy? Yeah, no, when you're doing, when you're writing a Superman comic, or you're writing, at that time they were doing four books, one every week, um, you have a lot of stories to fill, so I mean, I never bust on any of my friends or say, make fun of it, it's just that I wouldn't necessarily have signed off on that as a really great idea. I read it as a fan, I was just kind of, it wasn't my favorite, Um, but uh, Again, you have you have to fill space. You're writing, you know, writing or drawing a monthly comic. You need to come up with new stuff, and these guys all did that. The one thing I liked that I wished I'd been involved with. I was only involved with the initial planning of was uh, the uh, reign of the Superman. Mm-hmm. I, I stayed at that. I was at that meeting to bring Superman back, and then I left. And the second day of the meeting is when they planned that whole storyline. So as a reader, I was like, this is a great payoff. Which was great, you know, being the guy who had been yeah. on there. I didn't want to have to tell people, gee, I wish it was better. I, I really thought it was a great payoff for the story. So that was nice. No lying involved. <laughs> and with the Superman movies, Man of Steel, and then his coming back in Justice League, uh, not a lot of fans were happy with it. It really kind of split the camp uh, as far as some people were all about it. Uh, Zack Snyder definitely has a unique storytelling style. What were your thoughts on our latest cinematic? I think Henry Cavill's great, but the story, to me, kind of lacked something. See, I liked both of them. Um, I liked, I mean, Justice League I didn't care for. I mean, I didn't think it was as bad as everybody might think, but it wasn't a good movie. And it was a Frankenstein movie because it was taken kind of out of Zack Snyder's hands and re-edited and patched together. But Man of Steel I liked as a, I mean, I only had a few quibbles with it. I really did like it. And against the tide, because a lot of people really hated it. Um, but that seems to be the age we're in right now, where you can't like something. You have to either love it or you have to hate it. Very true. You know, and I, I really like Man of Steel. I like um, Batman versus Superman, even though I didn't like the concept of it. Uh, but I think people should see the extended version because a lot of scenes were cut that made other stuff totally seem more agree. obvious and made more sense. I just thought they had to go too far to try to, con- I guess, to create a conflict between Superman and Batman 
I didn't need to see that as a fan. That never was that interesting to me. I never thought they would fight. So uh, Dark Knight, that was what that came from, the right. Frank Miller's Dark Knight. I never cared about that, but I understand that if you set out to do that, you have to find a way to do it. And in the, the extended version does show it. It shows more how Lex Luthor started from the end point of Man of Steel with a campaign to turn Batman against, you know, Superman. So uh, it's a little easier to take. I agree. And uh, last question is uh, with their talk now of Henry Cavill leaving the role, uh, possibly doing something else with the franchise coming up in the air. If, is there an actor out there who you think could step in and take on that? I know you. Uh, we, I heard you talking earlier, you like Walking Dead. Obviously, you're a, a fan of TV and movies. Is there an actor you think that could fit the bill? Honestly, it's the type of thing that somebody'll someone you'll read casting news and you'll go, oh, yeah, that works. But none of it jumps out at me because I think Cavill really, many people may disagree with this, but I feel like he embodies the role in the way that Christopher Reeve embodied it. And people forget the fact that they have rose-colored glasses on, but Superman was, the Superman, the movie, to me, was the best of those. I was never a big fan of Superman 2, 3, or 4, but Christopher Reeve, gave it all in each one of that. He never gave a bad Superman performance. And unfortunately, I think Cavill is in that same boat where they still haven't found the right balance. You know, it's like Warner Brothers wants to do one thing. Zack Snyder wanted to do something else. And as long as Zack Snyder was making money for them, they were happy with it. But the minute there was any question or the fan, you know, the negative comments came, they just basically cut them off at the knees. So, that said, I think, I wish they would just hire James Gunn. James Gunn is a Superman fan. I know, and I know that because he told me that, you know, <laughs> and uh, I think he has the right sensibility to try to balance the seriousness without being oppressively serious. And the, the Zack Snyder stuff is good. The problem with it is, I think DC as a company has the, had the most success before those movies with their video games. And every one of their video games fits in that same feel. It's dark, it's very brooding, and in a lot of the video games, the premise of them is Superman is bad and, you know, the other characters have to fight him or whatever. That's been their big success. So I can see why they went in that direction for the movies, but, uh, you know, you can't course correct that within the space of Justice League. Especially if it's not meant to be that way. You know, you just can't film a couple of smiley scenes and have everything be all right because he has to earn that as well, and it should have been done through story, which I think it could have been done, you know. Hopefully we'll get a redemption in the uh, the third installment, whatever that is. I hope they do something else with him. I mean, I, I met him in uh, December, and he just, he, just as Gal Gadot also, they just... They embody those characters, and they seem to genuinely be nice people. And I think they, that projects through the character. So it would be a real shame that Cav- if Cavill doesn't get another one out of it, another movie out of it. And again, I mean, I'd love to see James Gunn do it. Because again, maybe that would embody some of the humor and some of the lightheartedness. He could find that balance. Very good. Yeah, when uh, James Gunn, I think, would be a perfect choice as well. I don't want to take up any more of your time. Jerry Ordway, thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Jerry Ordway, his thoughts on who should take over the directing roles and helm the next Superman movie. We're going to come right back. 
talking to Mark Guggenheim of the Arrowverse right after this. Stand by. We are back with our terrific Han wrap-up. We got the chance to sit down with Mark Guggenheim, who is the writer on Arrow. He basically started with Arrow, and he kind of spun off all these other shows we're getting, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, He's actually one of the writers for Legends of Tomorrow as well, and it was great to sit down with him. I'm a huge fan of the Arrowverse shows on the CW, and we got the chance to actually hang out and chat a bit. We are here at Terrific Con. We're talking with Mark Guggenheim. How are you? I'm really good. I'm really good. I'm having a lot of fun. I, I mean, it's just started like 44 minutes ago, but I feel like I've already been here a while. It's like They're already pouring through the doors. It's crazy. I've already, yeah, like the crowd. Like I've already seen like a million people. It's great. And uh, you said I overheard you talk to another person. This is your first Connecticut con, yeah? This is my first Connecticut con. I've been to Connecticut. I uh, grew up on Long Island, and I lived in Boston for eight years before moving out to Los Angeles. Uh, but I'd never been to a convention here, so it's pretty cool. Very nice. And this is the first time i am been to Connecticut as well, so we're experiencing this together. That's nice. I feel like we're bonding already. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> yes, I feel, I feel it, too. I feel it. And uh, first of all, thank you for the Arrowverse uh, with all the, you know, the, the writing with Arrow, Legends of Tomorrow. When you started with just Arrow, was there any concept in your mind that this is going to grow into its own TV universe? Not, not at all. I mean, truth be told, when we were doing Arrow, it was like we're just trying to do a pilot that doesn't embarrass us. I mean, li- literally, we didn't think anything beyond that. And then once the pilot came out and came out well, we were like, well, how do we do the second episode in a way that doesn't embarrass us? And then it was just, you know, how do we do an episode where we don't have to do reshoots? And it was like nine episodes before we didn't have to do any reshoots. Um, so it was this real slow, arduous process where none of us thought anything was going to happen except for the fact that, um, you know, maybe the show would not suck and maybe the show would be able to get the type of ratings that would allow it to stay on the air for more than one season. But I think probably our most ambitious thought at the outset was a second season would be really nice. And then it just kind of spiraled out from there. Still mystifies us. I think I, I, think I you know, can speak for Greg Berlanti also. Like I, None of us saw this coming. You know, Greg had harbored, during the first season, he had harbored uh, a hope or a notion of spinning off and maybe having The Flash. But the idea that it would be, you know... Four shows all interlinked, you know, and now you got, you know, Black Lightning coming and Titans coming. Like, it's crazy. And we're at the part of the year where we're, you know, working on the crossover event. And that's always like a real stark reminder of just how big this thing has gotten um, and how it was beyond any of our expectations. And since you mentioned the crossover, uh, first of all, I'll say two things. Congratulations on the Crisis X crossover because so many people said, that was the movie we should have gotten with Justice League. And you've, you've had to have heard that before yourself. Uh, I have, and it's always a wonderful, wonderful compliment. Uh, and I'm super proud of, of Crisis that we did last year. That was really, really awesome. Um, this year's crossover is not going to be as ambitious um, <laughs> because it killed us. But I have to say, knowing what we're doing, the amount of cool stuff that's in it is really surprising given we went into it. It's funny, we went into it with, like, Listen, last year nearly killed us. Last year nearly killed the crew and the cast. We're, we're going to go, you know, easier this year. We're only going to do three hours, not four. Like, and we, we sort of like, 
you know, lowered our own expectations. And at some point during the story break, you know, we were talking about something particularly crazy, and, and Greg turns to us and goes, gee, I'm really glad we went easier on ourselves <laughs> this year. Um, but again, I don't think it's going to be, it, it feels to me that it's, more in line with the first two crossovers we did in terms of its, you know, the narrative scope and everything. But that said, there is some stuff in there that is just simply going to blow people away. Like, we're, we're, gonna, we're doing some, some things that are incredibly cool. And the big news that comes out of this is we understand we're finally going to get Batwoman. Yes. Um, so with that character in mind, how far in advance did you guys know that was going to happen in order to write the script that's introducing her? Um, we knew last year, last year towards the end of the respective seasons, we had a meeting with the network, um, where we basically, it was supposed to be like, we really, do we have to do a crossover? (laughs) Um, and it sort of evolved into sort of what they were asking for. And one of the things they were asking for was they wanted us to introduce a new character. Um, they didn't. You know, there were a couple of names that were sort of in contention for who that character would be. The decision hadn't been made about uh, that it would be Batwoman just yet. But um, as early as the end of last year, we knew that we would be using the crossover to introduce somebody. And the Bat characters have kind of been off limits in the DC TV universe. So was that something you guys fought for? Or was it like, well, if you're going to do a Bat character, here are the ones you can do? Did they give you a choice of which ones? The beauty part is that's above my pay grade. I'm not part of those conversations. Uh, I that, that all gets figured out way above my head, and then I I get the news and we go from there. And we're looking forward to the crossover. You've got a line starting to form, right. so I don't want to take up too much of your time. Uh, Mark Guggenheim, thanks very much for your time. Good to talk to you. Thanks for coming out. Great guy, Mark Guggenheim. If you're watching those shows on the CW, uh, the big crossover event coming up this winter, we will get to see Batwoman introduced into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, made her first appearance during the 52 crossover event. And I'm not talking about the new 52. This was back before DC reset things with their new 52 universe. And it was just 52 was the name of the book. 52 issues, uh, counting backwards. And it introduced Batwoman, and I believe issue number four of that series. Uh, Went on to get her own comic book, appeared quite heavily in detective comics in that time, right before the New 52 universe took over. And we have her back in a solo series in Rebirth, a very interesting character. And if you want to go back and read some back issues, you've got a good three or four months to catch up before we get her in the CW showing up there. I'm very excited about that. Mark Guggenheim was great to talk to. Uh, I wish I had, would have had more time, but as I said, Trificon was busy. I got with him Friday as soon as I got in the doors, and they were already lining up. Uh, if you've not been before, Terrificon.com. We had Mitch Halleck, the owner, on the show uh, two weeks ago, right before we went up there. And he does it himself. It's a fantastic event, a smoothly run operation. I would easily say it's in the top five conventions I've been to so far uh, in the conventions I've been to in the past year or so. Uh, I put it up there with Planet Comic Con, Denver Comic Con, uh, a fantastic event. If you get the chance to go, do it. It was comic book creator heavy, uh, which was a very nice surprise because a lot of the conventions nowadays focus more on the pop culture aspect, the TV celebrities, the movie celebrities, and not as much on the artists and writers and creators. That was great that uh, Mitch did that. And Terrific Con, in my opinion, was a huge success 
hopefully this upcoming Arrowverse crossover, I believe it's set for the middle of December, if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to look at the dates again. Uh, December 19th is, I believe, when the crossover begins. We'll confirm that and let you know on an upcoming show here on Geek to Me Radio. We are going to go ahead and take our next break. We'll come right back with more TurvicCon Roundup. We'll be talking with Larry Kenny, the original voice of Lion-O from the Thundercats. And later on, we'll have Paul Souls, the original voice of Spider-Man and Peter Parker on the 1960s Spider-Man series. All that and more coming your way on geek to me Radio. Stand by. Brain, 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 brain. Hey guys, this is Kari Payton. I play Cyborg on Teen Titans Go. Booyah! And get ready for some Geek to Me Radio. I hear it's real good. That voice you heard bringing us back from commercial break, Kari Payton. The voice of Cyborg in Teen Titans Go and Teen Titans Go to the Movies. If you've not yet seen that movie, it is still playing in theaters. And I recommend you see it in a Marcus Theater. Marcus Theaters with locations all across the greater St. Louis area and in 10 other states as well. Head to the website, MarcusTheaters.com. That's Marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S, Theaters.com. Check out all the movies. You can buy your tickets right there. Check out the location closest to you. Uh, Check out their many food and drink options across their theater complexes and special events. I was just clicking on their website here because I love going to their website because I'm a movie junkie. And they've got a Harry Potter magical movie showcase. All nine films 27 bucks and you go they've got the schedule up at september 8th and 9th harry potter and the sorcerer's stone september 15th and 16th chamber of secrets they go in order like that locations are in most of the states they service iowa illinois minnesota missouri north dakota nebraska ohio and wisconsin here in missouri you can see them at the cape west complex Chesterfield or the De Pere, the newly renovated and gorgeous De Pere, Ronnie's or the spacious and beautiful St. Charles Theater for Marcus. Uh, just a fantastic place, a fantastic venue to catch any movie. If you're seeing the Harry Potter franchise, if you're taking part of their Kids Dream Summer Film Series, if you're going to their Labor Day weekend summer classics to see a movie like Jaws or The Goonies, or if you're just kicking back seeing one of the latest movies like Teen Titans Go, like The Happy Time Murders, or one of the other ones, you can check out everything and do it right from their website, MarcusTheaters.com. Very happy to have them as one of the sponsors of geek to me Radio. While at TerrificCon, which was a fantastic event, we got to see someone who I'm very, very excited about. I'm an 80s kid. I grew up watching Silverhawks and Thundercats, and I got to meet one of the voices from those shows, Larry Kenny. We're here talking with Larry Kenny, the voice of so many people from our childhood, Lion-O and Bluegrass among them. Uh, also, uh, cereal mascots. Uh, Larry Kenny, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, James? I'm doing well, thanks. Great. So, how many conventions do you end up doing in a year's time? Well, uh, this year, I, I think I'm only doing like three. Uh, there, sometimes I'll do maybe, um, you know, six or eight. Uh, uh, I don't like to do too many more than that because of, of the travel. You know, I'm, I'm an old man now. I don't... <laughs> That can't be because the 80s was only like 10 years ago, That's so that right. can't be. It was, I think 12, I think it was. Right. Yeah. So this year, uh, uh, three. Yeah. And obviously you've got the lion stuff out here. It was great. You were brought back for lion father, Claudus, in the Thundercats reboot for Cartoon Network. You got to play uh, with Will Ferrell, who now plays the new lion Did you? Well, uh, Will Friedel. Friedel, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know what, Ferrell. <laughs> I'll edit that out later, make a note. Um 
but you got to play with Will Friedel, who yeah. played Lionel. Uh-huh. And I overheard you say you didn't actually get to meet him, though. I did not, unfortunately. I got to meet. He was he was ill the day that uh, they recorded my. I only it was only in two episodes, I think. And uh, the day they flew me out to L.A. to, to um, record mine, my my lines as uh, Claudius, his father. Uh, he was ill, but I got to meet Matthew Mercer, who played Tigra, and the lady who played um, Chitara, whose name, oh gosh, I forget her name now, beautiful lady. Uh, so, um, but some, we, Will and I have emailed back and forth, so we're, we're friends that way. I met him at a con, uh, Planet Comic Con earlier this year, and he had great things to say about you. I said, I said, taking over a role like that, he goes, oh, it's big shoes to fill. Well, he so. actually, he emailed me, uh, I think before they even started recording the 2011 Thundercats, and told me, he said, I'm the guy who's going to play Lionel. He said, I just I just hope I can, uh, you know, fill your shoes and all that, which I thought was very nice of him to do. So voiceover work has changed so much now, obviously, from doing Thundercats to back when you had been doing Thundercats. What did you notice is the most, uh, I guess, jarring change? Is it the technology? Is it not being in the same studio with the people you're working with? That's the one that affects me the most. I uh, Not being in the same studio. It's very rare now that you get to work with an ensemble of people or even another person. Um, and I miss it. I miss the camaraderie and I, I, I actually feel that most actors give a better performance when they're bouncing off somebody else. And then, but it's still fun, you know. Uh, but yeah, that's probably the, the change that I, I I'm don't like you know the most but uh, the technology of course has gone crazy as it has in every other field but of course I just talk so it doesn't affect me I don't <laughs> care how they record it and with people like I brought up a Lionel figure for you to sign uh, Bluegrass was another fantastic cartoon Silverhawks what's the most odd thing that someone has asked you to sign that you were surprised by <laughs> a, a breast <laughs> <laughs> Uh, did they? I want to say, did they take it out of the package for you? How did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, this lovely young couple walked up to me. Uh, it was probably ten years ago in um, Philadelphia, and uh, her, her husband was with her. And she she said, I, "I have a. Would you mind? Not here, of course, in the room. But uh, she said that we we have a van outside." This, this, this is getting worse and worse. You signed my breast, and I said, uh, "You know, that's very nice of you to ask me to share such an intimate, you know, thing." But I, I don't think it's a good idea. And she said, "How about my belly?" So I signed her belly. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> I've seen some people actually get them tattooed then yes. over the signature. So that's that's uh, very cool. You know, you've made it when you're asked to sign breast. You're like a rock star. <laughs> I just hope they don't get a tattoo there. Yeah, yeah in the belly, that'd be a little odd. Uh, no, so, in the breast. Oh, in the breast. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, well, belly too. That's a little for a signature. That's an intimate thing, though. But that's very nice that you were able to do that. So, uh, do you do you have any other projects upcoming that we can listen for you in? Uh, well, I'm involved in the new Thundercats Roar. Uh, I'm not allowed to say uh, since it's not out yet what character I play. Uh, I did an episode of Teen Titans Go. I just recorded it last week as Lion O. Um, and. Um, I'm still doing uh, Skittles commercials. Feel the rainbow. Taste the rainbow. That's me. That's awesome. And uh, I'm still going, still talking. People ask me if I'm going to retire, and I say, I'm not going to stop talking. I may as well get paid for it. Yeah. Right. Well, it's good to know you'll be around for quite a while then. I'll be here, yeah. Larry Kenny, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, James. Nice to meet you. You too. Okay, buddy. There he goes, Larry Kenny, the voice of Lionel, the voice of Bluegrass from the Silverhawks, the voice of Count Chocula. 
and so many more. We're going to take our next break, come back talking to Paul Souls, the voice of Spider-Man, Peter Parker from the 60s Spider-Man series, right after this. Stand by. Hi, this is Will Fordell. You might have heard my voice as Lion-O from Thundercats, Ron Stoppable, or Batman Beyond. And you are listening to geek to Me Radio. We are back. Another terrific con guest was Paul Souls, the voice of the original 1960s series Spider-Man and Peter Parker from that animated classic. You can get it on DVD. Uh, I think it's still out as far as I know. You can check Amazon. Go to the link to my website, actually, uh, for geek to me Radio. Click on my Amazon link, and I will actually get a little bit of proceeds from that. So anything you buy with Amazon through my link, I will get a proceed of that sale. So be kind and uh, help geek to me Radio out. Paul Souls uh, had a lovely chat with him. He was a delightful man. Here's what he had to say. We're talking now with Paul Souls, the original voice of Spider-Man, among others. How are you, sir? Thank you very well, James. How are you? I'm doing great. Sure you are. Nice haircut. Well, thank you. I did it myself, so I'm not sure how well it came out. You had a, a, a help of a mirror, I'm sure. Well, yes, that's, that's true. That's awfully good work for freehand, let me tell you. Yes, you ought to see the back, because I just that's well, the part that really... Sure, did, well, did you now? Well, it looks normal to me. Doesn't, okay. But I say it was very skillful. Well, thank you. Thank you. I think you've got a career, James. Well, I hope if radio doesn't pan out, I might have take, exactly. uh, take up hair cutting. Who knows? Good, good. <laughs> so back in the day when you were doing Spider-Man, um, yeah. iconically created by Stan Lee, I know in other iterations of the animated series, Stan would come in and give his input. What was your relationship like with Stan Lee? There really wasn't one until many years later. Uh, and our only contact with the producers of the show were when we did the scripts, which were sent to us. We recorded them mechanically such that they f- they filled a certain number of frames per second of film. And 24 frames per second is the speed of 16-millimeter film through a camera. So we had to record to microseconds, if you like, and get in all of the character within that. But the objective was the time, uh, rather than the character, if you like. That was assumed when you were cast. And Mr. Lee didn't have much to say about that. Quite different from the way voice acting and everything is done now with all the modern digital work on cartoons. I suppose. I haven't done that much lately in this uh, sort of a field, but... Back in those days, which are now 50 years ago, we all worked in the same studio. We talked with each other, to each other, uh, unlike today where you can phone it in, literally phone it in, (laughs) and never have to meet another person. You can wear your house coat and never have to shave. We just talked to Tara Strong recently, and she said sad for her because she does My Little Pony, and she is in L.A. where most of the other people are in Vancouver. It's quite a different, uh, different state these days. That's right. And there is something lost, I think, just from my own experience, that the interaction with another actor is not only vital for performance, but is more fun, more rewarding. And I've had the good fortune, not a bragging, but the good fortune of playing Shakespeare at the Stratford Shakespearean Festival in Ontario. Pretty good standard to be set, and playing with other actors is both challenging, dangerous, scary, but satisfying. 
why why would you do it otherwise? And obviously, your background in theater. Uh, describe to us a little bit about going out for the role of Spider-Man. How did it come about, and how did you end up getting it? I have to plead good fortune rather than good management. I have a cousin, had a cousin, a late cousin, Bernard Cowan, who was one of the top announcers at the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And it was through him that the producers of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer came in the first place to cast for the animated special. And they had found out from people like Orson Welles that the best radio actors in the world were in Toronto. We had the advantage from the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, of having to do American and English voices. Orson Welles claimed that the best radio actors in English were in Toronto and that a man named um, uh, John Draney was possibly the greatest English-speaking radio actor of all time. Just pretty high praise. I'm not saying I was that good, but that was where we played. That's where we worked. Hmm. And very, felt, I've always felt very lucky to have been able to be part of that company. And what theater, obviously, there's, there's that immediate and intimate connection with the audience that doing voiceover especially, but also doing TV acting and things like that, you never quite get. Is that something that you think is a good thing to have, that background in theater first for people going forward, would you say? I'm not really in a position to say what people should do because I got, you know, I was lucky. But I can tell you that if you have missed the interplay with the audience and the danger that you're walking, playing live, uh, and hoping for a good result, if you've, if you've missed that, you've missed both the fun and the satisfaction, plus the pure joy of having survived. <laughs> At the end of the show, that's all you can hope for. More than, Yes, indeed. You hope for more. But boy, if you have survived on any kind of a decent level, and people aren't booing you and throwing tomatoes, <laughs> I beg your pardon, uh, this is one of life's great achievements, I yeah. think. And with the Christmas special, it's so iconic. It comes back every Christmas. Did you know when you were doing it that you were doing something that was going to be that long-lasting and that special? If I said yes, I'd be an absolute liar. <laughs> None of us did. I don't even think I'm told. I don't even think Stan Lee, even though he had hoped that Spider-Man would last and endure, I don't think he ever expected it would. The same with the Rudolph. Mm -hmm. They'd hoped for a few seasons of success, but not the 50-plus that it's garnered. And the fact that it was solidly entrenched enough in people's library of useful tales and fables to have something valuable to say to the world. Just because you've been marginalized doesn't mean there's, the world is ended. There's hope for you and, and reward in persevering, helping others, making yourself useful. That's what I've taken from it. And that's the perfect message to end on. Paul Souls, thank you so much for your time today. James, my pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely wonderful man. Very classy dude. Uh, so happy I got to meet and chat with Paul Souls at Terrificon. We are going to wrap things up in our final segment. Come back and give you my overall opinion of Terrificon. We'll talk a little bit about St. Louis Pop Culture Con as well, which was much more disappointing. And all that and more, stand by. Wherever there's a hang-up, you'll find the Spider-Man. Hey, this is Phil Lamar. Who means Conrad? The samurai known as Jack. And you're listening to geek to me Radio. 
We are back wrapping up for our final segment here on Geek Me Radio, this terrific Han edition. I'm very, very sorry. First of all, I want to go ahead and apologize. I was going to do back-to-back broadcasts. I was thinking this was going to be the greatest thing. We'll have a broadcast on Saturday live from Terrific Han, and then we'll broadcast Sunday live from STL Pop Culture Con. Well, of course, the best laid plans, folks. Uh, We got there, and I could not find my normal Sony handheld recorder that I use. I'm recording all these things on these interviews I got with Jerry Ordway and Mark Guggenheim, Larry Kenny, and Paul Souls on my iPhone. I tried to upload it and edit the audio, and it wouldn't recognize the file form for Audacity that I used to interview uh, and chop up these interviews, I should say. So I couldn't do it. I was going to do, okay, we'll do live like we've done before at other ones. I was lucky to get text messages out in this place. It was like a bunker. I don't understand it. It was beautiful. Where there was sunlight coming in, they had a bank of windows up in the ceiling on the far side. But I had so many times where my phone said no service. So I could not get a signal. I would step out of the conference room and bling, 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 six different text messages from people who'd been trying to reach me. I couldn't get a signal there. So I'm like, well, I'm not even going to try to Skype with uh, Max or Joey here at the station because I'm not going to be able to get a signal. So that blew Saturday for me. I'm like, that's okay. We'll make it up on Sunday. Uh, as great as Terrificon was, and it was brilliant. If you ever get a chance to go, go to Terrificon, check out the website, uh, Terrificon. I mean, I got to meet Jim Starlin, Ron Lim, Joe Rubenstein, three of the people who worked on the Infinity Gauntlet. Jim Starlin created Thanos, for crying out loud, created Drax the Destroyer. I got to meet Jerry Ordway, Brett Breeding, who worked on Superman. I got to meet uh, Ron Friends, a great artist who I haven't seen since like the 90s when I was in high school. Uh, got to see him get a bunch of posters signed. Uh, Mike Zeck, who penciled and uh, drew the art for the Secret Wars series, The Punisher. Uh, just a fantastic comic lineup. So go on there and you'll be able to... I didn't get to see half the people I wanted to. It was so just crowded and packed. It was fantastic. A great experience. Everything flowed smoothly. So go to Terrificon.com. Check out their website for the people you didn't get to see well, if you, since you didn't go this year and plan your trip for next year because I highly highly recommend this convention uh sunday came back specifically because i wanted to talk to alan Oppenheimer. the voice of skeletor was going to be at stl pop culture con sadly by huge contrast as great as terrific con was stl pop culture con i don't like to be negative uh i try to always be positive but i will say it wasn't a great show um there were a handful of people there milling about uh the celebs that were there outnumbered the people who were attending um the vendors there were so spaced out in the the hall and the hall was not greatly appointed um it it wasn't an impressive display of vendors either because they just i'm not sure some of them packed things up from what i was told saturday was not much better half the people i wanted to talk to had already pulled up stakes and left Uh, amanda pays from the Flash, the original Flash and the new one, uh, who played Dr. Christine McGee, she left. Corbin Burnson had left. Alan Oppenheimer had already left. Uh, it, it was it was very sad. It hurt because uh, the, you know I want cons like Trivicon here in St. Louis. Planet Comic Cons in Kansas City. That's the closest we get. We get Wizard World passes through here, which is always great. But that's a corporate show. I want a grassroots thing here in St. Louis. We have. Uh, the people who can coordinate the different moving parts. We just need to get everyone together. I I feel that this was not representative. So any of the celebrities who I talked to, Jeremy Miller or uh, Scott Baio, who I gave my card to and said I'd like to have you on air at some point, uh, come back to St. Louis. Don't give up on it. That was not representative 
let me try that again, representative of what St. Louis can offer. Uh, the Wizard World comes through here every year, and it's always great. We appreciate Wizard World bringing that con to our town, and we should have more of that. We should have our own Planet Comic Con like Kansas City has that's spectacular. Denver Comic Con is spectacular. We should have something like that in St. Louis, and I feel bad that we don't. Um, that's not to say we can't. It's just STL Pop Culture Con was not it. And it was the first year. I'm hoping they learn from their mistakes that we can try again, maybe, or uh, salvage some remnants of it and have another go next year. We'll see. It's certainly something we deserve here in the greater St. Louis area as a fantastic con. And hopefully my show brings a little bit of that each week. You kind of get to uh, mingle with these pop culture people when you get to hear these interviews I have with uh, comic greats like Jerry Ordway, fantastic writers like Mark Guggenheim, voiceover stars like Larry Kenny and Paul Souls, uh, the ones we've had in the past, Susan Eisenberg, uh, Kevin Conroy, people like that who we have on here from time to time. We get, you know, Kiss, Gene Simmons has been on the air with us. If you ever have missed a show, feel free to go back in our archives. Follow me on Twitter, first of all, at Radio on Twitter. I always update, let you know when new shows are coming out. And follow me on Instagram at Geek to Me Radio, Facebook.com slash Geek Me Radio. And check out our archives. All of our previous shows are uploaded as podcast form after the air. Check out some of these other shows. And if you have a suggestion for a guest you'd like me to try to get, I would be happy to do that. Let me know. Shoot me an email, James at Geek to Me Radio.com. That is going to wrap it up for our Terrific Con edition of Geek to Me Radio. My thanks once again to Mitch Halleck for having me out to cover Trificon. It was a great event, and I highly recommend if you get the chance to go to Connecticut, you go next year and see what they have in store for you. So until next week, my friends. It's not in the way you watch I sound be. It's not in the way you watch the flash. It's not in the way you love Scotty Young Arts. It's not in the Connecticut, good night!